Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Get fired up. Oh, yeah. Performance enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. Back from vacation. Back. Yes. With a bang. It's the State of Combat Podcast. CBS Sports, your boy, the Brian Campbell, coming at you. Uh, I don't think they make MMA podcasts like this, and I know they don't make MMA co-hosts like this in the great Hall of Famer. Let me bring him in, and let me bring to you his dedication level. Uh, It is the ass crack of dawn on the West Coast, but Sugar Rashad Evans joins us anyway. Rashad, wipe them crusties out of your eyes. How is it, my man? It is amazing, man. It is amazing. It's over. It's lovely here in LA, man. It's a nice break from the South Florida humidity. I hear. I hear that. It was great seeing you on the uh, ESPN coverage of last week's uh, last weekend's UFC card, which we will break down today in detail. Um, are you out there for any other reasons, Rashad? You got some business going on. What's happening here? Well, you know, I got to come in. I'm in LA, so I got to drop in and see my boy Mike, and uh, I got to take a chance. I got a chance to take a uh, peek at him in training camp. Ooh, ooh, and you're, you're talking Mike Tyson, baby. That's what you're yes, talking about. Yes, I'm talking Mike Mike Tyson. I checked out Mike Tyson, and I, and I got a chance to check him out in camp. And uh, I, I, I got to tell you, I was surprised at the Mike Tyson I've seen. I'm talking about I'm looking at vintage Mike Tyson from from the early 90s Mike Tyson. He just looks – he looks amazing, man. He looks, Mike he looks, Tyson, baby. Mike Tyson. I like him too. Uh, this is a September 12th exhibition or whatever they're called. What are they calling this boxing match against Roy Jones Jr.? They're calling it an exhibition. Rashad, a lot of people want to know though, because there's been mixed reviews. I had a mixed reaction to this announcement because you got the California State Commission saying, well, they're not going to hurt each other. There won't be any knockouts. And, you know, to me, that sounds like a bunch of crap. Uh, Mike and Roy have said, differently to a degree in interviews what feel did you get whether this is going to be an actual fight um i mean mike the way mike said it is like this he's like look you know um i'm going in there and we're doing an exhibition and uh you know it, it's a uh, um you know it, it's a fight you know what i'm saying and it, it's an exhibition but you know we're both athletic and we're both competitive so you know it's going to get competitive you know and uh he, he's he's training hard. He's training like he's you know he's training for a fight. You know, he, he doesn't, said, I doesn't count. If he's not dead, he doesn't count. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. So he was saying before when he was looking for a fight, you know, he may have got somebody who wasn't uh, a, a traditional boxer, you know, but now he's got a fight, you know, because now he's got a boxer, boxer, and a legend at that. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting, you know. I, I don't, I don't. I don't think he's going out there to hurt anybody. And I know he's not going out there to hurt nobody. He's just going out there because even in the spirit that he's in the gym, you know, he's just out there just having fun and he's, you know, smiling and stuff like that. So it, it, it's it's all in fun, man. He's just enjoying um, 
just that feeling of being alive when you're training for something and you have that big date ahead of you, you know, like after he got done from uh, working out in the gym yesterday, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, talked to people for a little bit, but then, you know, after his cool down, he put on the shoes, laced them up and went to the local park and got his sprints in. And I was like, you know, this is a 54 year old man doing this right now. Okay. Tell your family to write their will out. You're in trouble. Okay. Okay, Roy. Um, look, he couldn't find a better dance partner, Rashad, from the standpoint of celebrity factor and also a guy who at 51 and Roy Jones Jr., um, he'll, he'll still go into the dark place if the California State Commission will let them. He, he was still <laughs> boxing up until a few years ago and making some cryptic comments about, you know, if it has to end in the ring, meaning his life, he'll, he'll be there for that. So uh, I don't know what this is going to look like, Rashad. And this, this is a story that I know there's an MMA pod today, but this boxing match is going to be something come September 12th that is going to take over. Whether you, you want to watch it or not, you will. You will, Rashad. You will. Absolutely. You know, and it's something that's been picking up a lot of steam. And, and I think that the more people see uh, just the transformation of Mike Tyson, uh, th- they're going to get excited to see him again. And they're going to get excited to, uh, you know, really see him just, you know, not just like a, in an exhibition, but like in a real fight, just because, I mean, from what I've seen yesterday, I was like, okay, Mike, like just judging the landscape of, of the uh, heavyweight division, I know the Mike Tyson I seen last night can definitely uh, can definitely oh, hang. Oh, Rashad! Whoa, I gotta I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta hit pause right there. You're saying, okay, go out with this exhi- exhibition against Roy Jones. That's cool, but you're saying you believe he could contend with you know legitimate heavyweights today. From what I seen, from what I seen yesterday, there's there's no doubt in my mind if if he. If he, because because here's the difference though, he's got if he got some rounds in him and, and he could do a few rounds, you know, and be able to go, because uh, the stamina that usually gets you as you get older, you know, and he hasn't done any rounds, so that'd be a thing that gets him. But I mean, just from a technical standpoint and being able to to move still and be able to hit the sh- and, and be able to hit those um, those movement points and reaction time, I, I'm telling you, I, I I put him I put him right up there. Wow. I'm going to make you my girlfriend. Wow. Uh, Rashad, can you be honest with us here? Yeah. Uh, you're not that far removed from the game. We spent last year talking about whether you're going to get back in this game. Is this getting the juices flowing inside the Hall of Famer? It is a bit. I'll tell you the truth. It is, you know, just um, just watching Mike just go through that, you know, and just, you know, six months ago, uh, you know, we were sitting on the couch, just, you know, just, just you know, you know, thinking about entertaining the idea and then now just to watch how he is just, you know, turn that idea and that, that feeling and thought into an actual thing. And now he's, he's, he's on his, on his path right now. And he looks phenomenal, just a complete transformation from, uh, from a mind standpoint too. He's, he's, he's dialed in. Like he's, he's vintage iron Mike Tyson right now. All right. All right. I'm fired up. Let's have some fun today. Let's do this thing. Sugar likes to, sugar likes to have fun. See, Rashad is a laid-back guy, but Sugar likes well, We got both guys, all right? We got Sugar. If we need him today, we're going to, of course, break down. Uh, big win for Derek Brunson over the weekend and at the Apex Center for UFC. We're going to look ahead to next this Saturday's card, which has uh, heavyweights atop the card, as the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, takes on Olenek in a really good fight right there with uh, future implications. And also, Friday night, Bellator, man. You get Michael Chandler, Benson Henderson, part two. We are going to dig into that. But, Rashad, as you know, 
the fight game ain't the only thing that's back. And uh, not everybody's doing great, right? Baseball might might have to get shut down soon. But I want to let you know that uh, to celebrate fantasy football draft season, our friends over at the CBS Sports Fantasy Football Today pod are giving away a 75-inch and a 55-inch TV. Uh, the contest is completely free to enter. All you have to do to win is go to cbssports.com slash giveaway. Uh, Rashad, wow, a 75-inch TV. That sounds like a dream. Are you rocking one of those? <laughs> nah, not 75 inches, but <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty close. We can all dream about inches. Yeah. <laughs> I want an 11-inch penis. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen at the end of the day. All right, all right. Let's uh, roll on from there. Uh we got a lot to get into. MMA's rocking out. Rashad, I just turned 42. Just had a vacation. I'm refreshed. I'm back at it. Rashad, have you ever had one of those vacations where you literally do nothing? I'm talking about nothing. Yes, those are the best vacations, and there's nothing required of you. That, that right there is a birthday gift in itself. I'm telling you. So every vacation with the family, uh, you know, I got my 12-year-old twin sons. It's always like, you know, I'm going to have that vacation where I sit on the edge of the water open up a book, eat too much, drink too much, do nothing. And then inevitably, Rashad, you know, as a dad, you end up doing 86 things and taking people to amusement parks and whatever. This was the vacation yes. time at the uh, at a lake house in Massachusetts where I did nothing. I got fat and tan. It was great. So I am, I'm good. I'm good. But you do need that adjustment period, though, to get back. I, I basically drove back from vacation and started working that same day. You can't pull that off. Mentally, you're not there yet. No, you're not yet. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Uh, that's that's a pretty uh, fast transition. Though. You just had to jump right into it, though, huh? Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I'm a I'm a professional. I will pull that off. All right, Rashad, we got actual MMA business to get to. Why don't we take a quick pause for the cause? Hear from our friends and sponsors on the other side. Your boys coming at you all MMA all the time. Dig it. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, BC, Rashad Evans in your ear hole, coming at it. A lot of news in the mixed martial arts world. Rashad, we're going to get into the weekend that was. We're going to look ahead. But you know that hijacker of the headlines named Conor McGregor. You know that man, right? If he sneezes, we talk about it. (laughs) Uh, He's back in the news this week because... He tweeted out in Tagalog, which is a uh, dialect in the Philippines, a language of the people, I accept. And once you hit that translation button and saw that, I'm sure you're thinking, oh, is he going to box Manny Pacquiao? Well, they asked Dana White about it late Saturday. He pissed on the idea, said he doesn't care. And now we have Dana White telling Barstool Sports this week, 
Connor will not fight again in 2020. And it seemed a very defiant response from the boss. Rashad, from the outside looking in, this seems like a public negotiation power struggle for me. Connor probably only wants to come back for gigantic money, is floating the idea of the Pacquiao boxing match. Dana's countering and saying, not only don't I care, but you're not going to fight again for a while. Uh, how do you read this situation? Do you even care at all? I mean, I really don't care, but it is very interesting because Connor always had the mental games going. So it's interesting to see which angle he's working right now. Um, it is definitely, uh, in my opinion, he's, he's got that, you know, sitting out on the sidelines. No one's talking about him. The headlines are moving. There's all these different people coming in and, and, you know, taking all these headlines. And right now, you know, w- with the way that the fights are going, the pandemic is that they're so excited. You know, each and every single week we're being given a blockbuster and, and, and there's a new star almost being heralded. You know, this week now is Derek Brenton and his great accomplishments and bringing his uh, career back and all those things. So, you know, he, he wants to be part of the conversation. You know, and, and right now when, when you're when you're known for being, you know, uh, the, the, the badass, you're not bad if you can't get out there and, and do your thing. So he, he just wants to be part of it. What's going on right now? And I know some of you are listening saying, guys, stop. Stop talking about Connor. And, and, and specifically, Dana was quoted as saying, you guys keep asking me about him, but he's retired. He plays you like fiddles. You guys are yeah. like puppets on a string. He's retired. Um, I will add this, though, Rashad. We've, we've talked before that, you know, the fight game's just better when its biggest star, its lightning rod, is active. I thought after that Cowboy win, he was going to be active, maybe fight three times. Uh, COVID changed a lot of our best laid plans. I think that's one of the underlying things we don't talk about enough, that it derailed his plans. And, I mean, the sport's going on just fine without him. Maybe, to your point, he's lamenting that. Maybe he's sitting at home getting lonely going, man, no one's talking about me, and that's why he does this crap. But, you know, he's going to wake up one day and be 35, 36, 37, and only fought two times in six years. You know what I'm saying? Like, get back in there, bro. Bang. Bang already. And he needs that because – the longer he sits out, the longer he lets his competition uh, start competing with these with these new uh, rules and, and and these new circumstances. Everyone's gonna get comfortable competing with these, you know, the strange feeling, and they're gonna get the competitive edge. And then, one thing that I noticed when I was out for the time that I was during my knee injuries is just how fast the game changes, and and it's something that you really don't see, and and it's all these different nuances and all these different things that you don't really feel until you go in there and you're just like wow okay the game has changed a little bit I gotta you know I got to uh you know work on this or adjust this and the longer he waits out you you got guys like I will smash you comes up coming and talking about he's gonna take him down and beat him with his own arms you know (laughs) that guy by the way I gotta say uh, I caught up on all the MMA I missed and that comes Chimaev interview uh, with the Abe Lincoln beard and the just straight up, I don't give a damn who you are. I will kill you. That stick, Rashad, whether it's it's fully real or he understands marketing, I was enthralled. I, I was, I was uh, as Jake Hager once said, I had a phoner, Rashad, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what? I felt a little something similar. I don't know if it was a phoner, but I felt something. You know, this this guy, he's got uh, he's got something so captivating about him. You know, you just got to – you just want to see what he's going to do because from what I've seen in his two fights, I mean, I, I know he, he wasn't fighting the toughest of the competition, no disrespect to those guys, 
but it it was it was com- it was something to give you pause you know if you if you're in a division you just like you definitely had to take notice and be like all right now we we might have a new strangler on the loose you know and, and a straight a, a straight mauler <laughs> it's, it's scary it is. It absolutely is. Uh, let's not bury the lead anymore. This past Saturday, you were there as an analyst uh, overlooking the UFC Apex Center when Derek Brunson stepped into the middleweight main event. We know you know this man, the 36-year-old. Rashad, uh, I'm going to you know, be like everybody else and take the L here. I thought he was the old guy at the club when it comes to the middleweight title contention. Um, this is three wins in a row. He took the hype train that was Edmund Shabazian, the 22-year-old, the Ronda Rousey-managed product, coached by Coach Edmund, head movement, uh, unbeaten, knocking fools out. Brunson was supposed to be that litmus test, and, and Brunson sunk that ship, Rashad. We know he's now three fights into his latest evolvement by moving to Sanford MMA, your territory down there in South Florida, Coach Henry Hooft, and he looks freaking fantastic this was a complete performance where he had to absorb you know some big strikes and make some key adjustments in order to finish Edmund Shabazian the way he did early in round three tell us the inside on this transformation because you love to see that when you know a fighter has the tools but sometimes can't get over that hill he seems like he's ready yeah, you know what Derek Brunson is that he always had to travel to his trip to his camps, and then when he wasn't at Greg Jackson's camp, he would be in North Carolina. But then that became too difficult for him, so then he just started doing his camps all by himself. And when you do your camps all by yourself and with just the 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 the, the crew that he was throwing together, uh, it just wasn't the the toughest level. It wasn't it wasn't as tough as it could be, uh, and it needs to be sometimes when you're competing on the highest level. So. Uh, when he started coming down to Sanford, it was he was going with the the toughest of the toughest in in the gym, and these guys, these young guys, they want to beat him, and that right there just made him start competing in the gym, and then also working with Henry Hooves and 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 Greg Jones and and uh, Kami, they got him to slow his game down, and Henry got him to really slow his stand up game down, and just start to see you know, the opportunities that he had instead of rushing, you know, it almost, it almost was in the sense that um, he would get into a panic when, when he was out there fighting and just let, and just let his power try to be the thing that answers instead of letting his technique, you know, so Henry just got him to settle, settle down a little bit and um, going with those guys in the gym, seeing everybody succeed the way they have been, it just becomes the expectation of the team. So he's following suit. I mean, this is a far cry from the Derek Brunson in 2016 who was like balls to the wall against Robert Whitaker and went in there recklessly and ended up getting finished late in that first round when he tried to go for, you know, the wild knockout the whole time. To your point and Henry Hoof's point, slowing this guy down, you see that the goods are there, the technique, the game planning, the, uh, you know, switching stand. I mean, every, it, it was, sorry, I just belched on the air. Wow, that was gross. Um, it was everything <laughs> you'd want to see from a veteran. And I love the inside story that they relayed on the air about who straight up telling him, like, you're not a, 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 you know, a, a gatekeeper. Like, come to me. I will show you the ways. Like, let's figure out how to get the most out of you. Um, at 36, Rashad, three fights in a row, which is two decisions over Elias Teodoru, Ian Heinish, and now this knockout of unbeaten Edmund Shabazian. How far away is this man who we've only seen lose to the very, very elite 
from actually effing around and cracking this title picture. He's actually looking pretty good. And, and it's, you know, it's more than just about the streak. It's more than just about, it's, it's just about his mindset to me, you know, his mindset. And, um, you know, it seems like everything is starting to come together and he's starting to understand how to put his tools together and how to arrange his toolbox and, and fight his style. You know, every single fighter for the longest time, uh, they, 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 they fight a certain way. And until they really, really find out that, that formula that makes it their style, you know, they kind of lost that seas a, a, a bit, you know, and they can't get that consistency, but when they, find that style that's their formula then they're unstoppable and it looks like Derek Brunson has found his formula he's found that thing that that he can go out there and compete with the guys at the highest level because now he 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 knows he can sit back and formulate a game plan without the fear of getting tired or or being overwhelmed in any one area you know so yeah what what, sorry no no go on go on I was just going to interrupt you for something very important and say, you know, we can praise his game all we want, his resurrection, evolution, all that stuff. But can you vouch for the man's hair? That's some Cisco. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the hair, the hair is, uh, you know, he's 36, man. You're trying to find it. You know, you try to find that rhythm. You try to find that young man feeling again. He's, he's in between, you know, he's in that, he's in that, that uh that that phase right before you just stop caring about being fashionable. <laughs> I think he's at the, <laughs> he's at the, but you know what though on the low I, I was I was happy to see him win because you know I I've been in that position you know towards the end my end of my career and you're just trying to chase that win and you just you you hope that you get off the bubble and sometimes you 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 don't do it like in my case I couldn't do it but to see him do it and to see him just like you know, become that, that phoenix and rise out of the ashes once more when everybody thought he was dead to rights. And you're just like, okay, this dude, he, he's got it. You know, I believe. Well, let, let's look, Rashad, podcasting with you is, is a joy to behold, not just because if, you know, an earthquake breaks out, you will uh, bring that heat and carry us through it. But you tell the damn truth. You're not afraid for me to play the Welcome to the Machida era soundbite, and you don't get upset. So let me ask you straight up, in 2017, when Derek Brunson knocked out former Rashad Evans killers, Dan Kelly and Leota Machida, in succession, did you or did you not call him on the phone and say this? <laughs> Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I love – you know, I, I gave him a little pound for that, you know, but – uh you know, Brent Reynolds has always been close to my heart, man. He's been he's been with me since the Greg Jackson's camp, and it's good to see him, you know, at uh, Sanford as well. Absolutely. Uh, let's also hit Edmund Shabazian here. Um, look, Rashad, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to answer the question before even asking it to you. I don't think this this was too much too soon, but I don't think this was. Oh man, you know the wheels fell off. He'll never be the same. He shouldn't have taken this fight. Look, sometimes when you're special and you're young and you are knocking everyone out in the first round and you're beating those, you know, tough ass middle of the road guys in a row, you want to find out how great you can be. If you have a chance to, you know, enter into that conversation of when John Jones became the youngest champion and you have a chance to maybe equal that or just get some buzz on you, you got to find out how good you are. I don't shame him for moving up to this level of competition this early. I think we actually saw a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, the guy hits hard. He's, he's a, he's a great fighter. 
He ran out of gas and crumbled. Yes. The deep end of the pool was deep, bro. Elbow deep. Mm -hmm. You know, he found out about that. But I'm not here to tell you that he will do anything else but grow from this. Like, I, I think this ends up being a positive. How do you look at it? Yeah, I see it the exact same way. I think that it's so better for him to lose right now than to, you know, go higher and achieve more and then finally lose be, or, or finally have that pressure or then lose once he wins like, you know, 19 fights or 20 fights or 22, whatever, whatever that number is, you know, because then at that point after he becomes champion, then it may be harder for him to, to bounce back. But right now he has a loss early and he lick his wounds and then it propels him to be stronger and be hungrier, you know. Uh, like for me, I, I didn't. I went like 18 or 19 fights before I lost my first fight, and it was uh, it, it, it was tough. It was tough, and it was it was my title fight too. So that was that was tough, a mental process as well. And um, I think he's right on time. And you know, he may not be the youngest champion, or wherever this this fight may leave him, but. You know, he still has so many things he can achieve and um, he can't get caught up on what could have been. You know, he's got to be like, well, all right, new goal. Or if that's still a goal, all right, I got to step it up tenfold because now, you know, I got a few months or a few fights to make up for. I mean, look, Shabazian head kicked Brad Tavares into hell last year in the first round. When you do that, Rashad, like you got to you got to top that. You know what I mean? You got to go up to the next level. Brad Tavares joke. So, you know, shout out to Shabazian for finding out where he's at. He does have a lot to work on. But if you look back over his first 11 fights, only one of them had gone out of the first round. So you don't know. Uh, I always, you know, look, I'm saying this like I'm a fighter. I'm not, obviously. Um, you know, I'm, I'm soft, Rashad, okay? I'm, I'm soft, especially after this vacation, I'm soft. But um, <laughs> I feel like you can't replicate what it's like to be in there with a elite guy pushing your gas tank. Like, I don't care if you spar 10 rounds, right? Like, you don't know that feeling of when things aren't going your way until you're in there, right? It's got to be true. No, you're absolutely right. And then not only, you know, with the elite guy, and all his little, uh, you know, his little techniques and, and tricks that he may have in the octagon, but it's just even the whole intoxication of, of the of the event in itself. You know, it was a uh, it was a big opportunity, and, and there's a lot more interviews. And then he has the angle where the Ronda Rousey uh, angle, and that can you know that that brought you know a lot more attention and a lot more pressure on him in that respect. And you know, you know, he he's a young guy, and he ate that pressure up, and he enjoyed it. But at the same time, it's still pressure and it's still uh, extra weight that he had to lift, you know, that that, that the uh, the underdog didn't have to lift. And um, he's lucky to have somebody in Ronda Rousey that he can lean on during a time like this, uh, because these that's the that's the psychological part of the game that I'm sure she would have been, uh, you know, hoping that she would have been able to master a little bit. But now she can be that you know, mental master, that mental coach for somebody else going through that letdown of of of, of, uh, of the things that happen when you're getting out there. What Ronda Rousey finance? I'm not sure Ronda Rousey should be advising anyone, Rashad, on how to how to take an L. All right, I'm just gonna be honest with you. And that, <laughs> um, look, uh, is there like what kind of? I, I'm gonna be straight up with you. Uh, you know, Brendan Schaub one time made the Eskimo bro joke to Dana White about Ronda. You can do the math if you want from there. But uh, how, what what type of wow? Yeah, I'm sure they did. What type of an advantage though is it 
to actually have Rondo? Like, could he get himself into opportunities because of that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, Rhonda has so many opportunities and, uh, you know, she, she's, she's, you know, she's, she's a wonderful hearted person as well too. So I, I know she'll extend whatever opportunity she has and give the people she loves a chance to succeed. So oh, shot getting Rhonda's back there. Respect. All right. Yeah. Okay. Take that. All right. <laughs> uh, Rashad in this co-main event on Saturday night, this turned into a bit of a story. Joanne Calderwood taking this fight against Jennifer Maya when seemingly she didn't need to. I don't know if she just wanted to stay busy, if she needed the money, whatever. But she had already had the title shot against Valentina Shevchenko lined up in women's flyweight. And now it's gone because Jennifer Maya, who I didn't respect on this level, Rashad. And I know when I say this level, I do have to put an asterisk on it because women's flyweight as a division – it, it it sucks the horn, Rashad. Sometimes you got to be honest, okay? You're one good win away from being a title contender. But with that said, Jennifer Maya actually looked like a title contender. She steamrolled JoJo. And by the way, full respect to Calderwood, who passed out after the fight, ended up putting an Instagram post from the hospital. She's okay now. But, you know, this could not have gone worse. Maya with the first-round submission by Armbar. And I saw an in-shape, focused, you know, bulldozing Jennifer Maya. Uh, maybe maybe I'm late to the party here, but uh, they rewarded her with the damn title shot. She's going to get all the smoke from Valentina. I didn't. I wouldn't have guessed this was how this fight was going to end. Me neither. Uh, I thought for sure that um, you know that that, that Calderwood was going to uh, take a page out of Chukagan's book and just keep the fight long and, and keep the fight at range because they kind of have a similar build and they kind of can fight in the same kind of style. So I thought it was just going to be, you know, the, the, the battering Ram and Maya getting pieced apart from the outside by Calderwood. And, and that was going to be the fight, the story of the fight. But I didn't expect, uh, I mean, I, I know Maya has, one thing I noticed about her and watching all the tape is that she had great movement going inside, almost like Shogun-esque, Vanderlei Silva, old shoot the box type style, you know? So when she came in there moving like that, I was like, okay, but then the, 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 the heat that she had on those punches, uh, she, that, was, that was something else. And then the kick that she threw right before uh, Calderwood caught it and kicked to, uh, took her down, it kind of startled, startled Calderwood a little bit and, and because it, it hit her in the eye. And then when you get hit in the eye, she was just kind of like, whoa, whoa, this, is kinda fight, this fight is kind of starting fast for me. And then at that point, I think she just never uh, got her bearings. You know, sometimes a fight can just start in a way that you're just not ready for. And if and, and the guy can jump out and surprise you, especially when you think that, all right, I'm going to go in there and just have this fight and, you know, move one step closer to the title. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a big win. And um, I'm not going to sit here and try to say, Rashad, that she's a bigger threat to that belt than Chukagian, Calvillo, Calderwood, you know, any of these these players right now. They're not. Shevchenko, is, I think, is an all-time great fighter, but – Hey, you know, at least she's got that, you know, the ground skills and at least she's got some things going for her. Uh, will that get her out of the first round against Valentina? Yeah, I think so. And I think, and I think she's kind of, she's, she's a very, uh, you know, she's got, she's got a, a pretty sturdy bill, you know, she, she, she doesn't, she looks like she's solid in that weight class. And I, and I think the fact that, you know, her, her stand up, it, it, uh, it can get her off the line a bit because she she moves from side to side and she has power too. 
Uh, so it, it can it can be pretty interesting. I think that when it comes to um, stylistically speaking, I think that she may be able to offer a different kind of challenge than we've seen against uh, Shevchenko because I I, she, I don't I don't think she's gone against somebody with stand up di- as as good as Maya has. You know, just the the Muay Thai at the level that that Maya has. You know. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Big win right there. Uh, big win also for Vicente Luque, who has improved, get this, to 8-1 and one since that 2017 knockout loss, I'm sorry, decision loss to Leon Edwards. 8-1, and one, Rashad. He knocked out Randy Brown in the second round. And, uh, wow, when you look back, I mean, is he beating killers? No, but he stopped Nico Price. He won a decision over Mike Perry. He's beaten, you know, the, the Tarantula Turner, Brian Barberina, uh, Nico Price again. Um, you know, at the very least, I don't know if I'm ready to throw him into the top five, but I'm ready to see him against somebody with, with, with a big-time pulse now because that's an impressive win on Saturday. Yes, indeed, man. That was um, – it, it, was, it was a very precise and, and patient – and a very mature win from, from Luke that just showed that, you know, going and fighting against the competition he has, it, it, it matured his game because now he knows when to, to fight in a phone booth and how to keep it long and just systematically break somebody down and then get the fight to where he wants to, to make it an easy fight. You know, he, he fought, he found a guy who could have, he could have made that fight a really hard fight because athletically speaking and talent wise, you know, Randy Brown was going to be that dude. But uh, just the, the, the systematic approach and leg kicks from the beginning made it short work for Luke. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Also wanted to give a little shout-out there to uh, Bobby Green with that nice uh, unanimous decision win over Lando Venata. Uh, Bobby Green had been that, you know, win some and lose some type guy, but the 33-year-old now has won two in a row, and uh, I don't know if I've seen him look that fluid. The speed, the confidence, like – I, you know, I feel like he's putting a little craft on that. He really did, man. It was like he was, he took a little bit of the old sauce that he had before, you know, that, that ability to draw people into the, the firefights with him. But then he himself didn't get locked into just trying to have a firefight. He maintained his technique. He maintained his, his condition and, and uh, he landed the cleaner shots. And, you know, for, for, he was out of the way and he wasn't there for a very slick Lando which which in the first fight was was something that I felt Lando had such an advantage over with, with the movement and being able to get to the angles and hit Bobby Green. So coming in this fight, I thought that Lando was just going to just finesse him and just catch Bobby Green when he's doing a shoulder roll like he does and just kick his legs out from underneath him. But Bobby was having none of that. Yeah, good work there, Bobby. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least hit on the overarching Herb Dean controversy, Rashad. I'm sure you hit that last week coming off what happened in Abu Dhabi, but this weekend in that main event, the Brunson-Shabazian fight, Dean was the referee again. Some people piling on saying he should have stopped that fight at the end of round two rather than let round three start in which he quickly stopped it as soon as Edmund started taking some clean shots. Um, where do you stand on the overall thing? Because I caught up on, you know, the Dan Hardy and Paul Felder jumping down his throat. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to fighters. Like, I'm a safety first guy more times than not when it comes to, you know, sooner than later on a stoppage. 
I just feel like this is largely overblown. Uh, what am I? I mean, I don't know where you stand, but where do you stand? Because I feel like they're they're ready to throw her in the ovens here. Like I was fine with all of it. Well, I, I think um, I think that the situation in the previous week with with Dan and Hardy was, was a bit more like okay, I can see both perspectives. I definitely could, um, but this week right here, I think that her was in the right, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because at the end of the round of the second, uh, yeah, was the second round. Yeah, at the end of the second round, he was he was uh, looking to wave it off, and then he came in with one hand, and then he stopped the action. You know, so that was that was his pause, and then at that moment, he gave a look, and at that pause, when he gave him a look, he seen how he got up. Now, if at that point Shabazian would have rolled over or act like he was incoherent, he would have brought in his other hand, which was his left hand and waved off the fight. But at that point, he seen Shabazzian got up. He watched him go to the corner. Then when he got to the corner, he watched the corner. He asked the corner, do we want to stop the fight? The corner responded. He didn't want to stop the fight. Then at that point, he waited before the fight stopped, started. He asked Shabazzian, are you okay? Do you want to stop the fight? Shabazzian said no. Then even at that point, he took a third, a third check party in because then he brought the doctor in to assess if the fighter can make that coherent decision. And then the doctor gave him the stamp of approval. So you do three points of check. That's all you need to do, in, in my opinion. I think he did, he did above and beyond what he should have did. And I think that, you know, his little three-point check should be a standard. I agree with you. I think that because Shabazian stood up right away at the end of that round, like you're right, uh, Dean was ready, ready to stop it. Shabazian noticed that, stood up. That saved him there. I did think the doctor took a little bit too long, and Dana White jumped all over him after the, the fight card for that. And I agree, he took a little bit too long. But overall, Herb Dean nailed it. Um, I don't know. I, I see both sides on the Abu Dhabi thing. Again, I was fine with it. I thought Hardy and Felder were a bit too emotional and, and jumped, you know, went from zero to 60 a little bit too quickly. I'm trying, though, to speak from their perspective, Rashad. In that empty arena, you can hear th the shots a lot louder. It probably amplifies the situation. I know there's been some back and forth with Herb and, and Dan Hardy putting out an hour breakdown on it. Uh, you know, I, I mean, look, it's a conversation we should always have. I'm just like, man, Herb's one of the best in the game. I don't believe he smells like bitches and cigarettes like Keith Peterson does per Dominic Cruz. Um, I, I, you know, let, let's let the man live. Uh, I did want to get your perspective, Rashad. You were in the damn arena this weekend. Uh, well, what's it like inside the bubble these days? It, it's, it's pretty intense, to be honest. You know, um, you're, it's the, state, the, the studio is so, so quiet. You know? Um, you know, we couldn't even really watch the fights uh, really live uh, for some of the fights because if we were going to have a conversation and talking about what we were going to talk about on air, they would be able to hear us. So we had to go, we had a separate room where we would be able to view the fights. But when the fights were in the main card and we weren't really talking and we were able to sit and watch it uh, live in the, in the studio and uh, you heard everything. It was, it was, it was as real as it gets as the slogan goes in the UFC. And um, it was, it was a, uh, an energy in the building that you really don't typically feel in a UFC. And uh, I can, I can just imagine how much that has to get to be for a fighter. Like, and especially a card like uh, th this past weekend where you have all these fights falling through and you're getting called to the line of fight before you, you you would typically get ready to, 
Now, for a fighter, when that happens, when you get called to the line, when they say, all right, Evans, time to take your line. You in the hole. It's time to roll. You're like, okay. You know, you get, you, you should, you, you have an idea of when that's going to be, and you kind of can find some comfort around that. But when that time is pushed up and you don't really know when it may be and it's kind of ambiguous, it puts a different anxiety in your heart. And I think that's what you may have seen with, with, with Trevin Giles where he passed out before stage, you know? Yeah, I, I have to believe it's like when you go to the doctor for, uh, you know, your unfortunate yearly prostate exam and you're, you're in the waiting room, you're, you think you're okay, but when they say your name, it's real. It's real. Yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately. Um, can, you, can the fighters really hear the, the TV commentators word for word? Inside the arena? Yeah, you, you, can, you can hear them. You can definitely hear them. I mean, um, if you don't have a loud corner and they're just, you know, they, they, they get animated, they can, yeah, you can definitely hear them. It's not, I mean, you, you can hear everything. It's I did quiet. Watch, yeah, I did want to shout out your, uh, your teammate this past weekend, Angela Hill, on joining the squad. Rashad, she was charismatic. She was fun, which is how she normally is. She's got a great personality. Um, I liked them giving her this chance. We don't see enough women empowered in this spot. I mean, shout out to Misha Tate, Michelle Watterson. They've done, they've done a nice job in the past, but I really liked what Angie brought to the table. What was it like working with her? Angie was phenomenal. You know, I was really surprised at just how fluid that she was. And, you know, she, the hardest thing is to not get tripped up on words. And sometimes you, you search for a word and it just doesn't come out as smooth as you want to. And then when it doesn't, you, you kind of, you kind of feel like you, you feel funny. You know what I'm saying? And it's hard to not have that internal dialogue with yourself. where like, Oh, you stupid dummy. And, and, and then still continue to speak and articulate yourself. So she uh, found a way to, to, to make it through all of that, and she looked like a natural. And I'm excited to work with her in the future just because, you know, when you have somebody that, that uh, has fun like that and she's just, you know, uh, gives you a lot of energy, it's easier to have a show with them because you, you can react and have a, a better uh, flow in, in conversation. Absolutely. I normally don't do interview with women unless I fornicate with them. You're <laughs> the meat, though, in, in a beautiful women's sandwich there. So shout out to that. <laughs> you don't have to comment on that, but I will. I would definitely not comment on that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Joe Benavides. Okay, let's roll on here. Uh, also, by the way, if you want more MMA, don't forget that uh, as we record this on Tuesday, tonight, Dana White's Contender Series is back in the Apex Center opening up its fourth season. I believe that's 8 Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. You can check that out. Uh, see who tomorrow's superstars are today. That is not a paid read. I'm just a big fan of MMA. Uh, Rashad, I don't think there's many other headlines to hit before we preview the weekend action. Uh, my Brazilian hero, the Baron, Henan Barão, signing with Tora MMA. Um, any thoughts on that? That's my guy right there, okay? He used to be the pound for pound king. I know he's lost 13 in a row, but... Uh, Maybe there's still time, okay? Maybe, maybe. Maybe. I mean, listen, I'll never tell nobody what they can't do, but, I mean, hey, you know, you never know. You never know. And, and sometimes when you take a journey where you got to go down a road less travel, you never know what's that big thing that brings you back to the main street. So this could be that thing where he finds that flame again. Next, you know, we're talking about, oh, Hannah Morales back. We never thought we would see him again. Yeah, just how it goes. Not, but uh, I'm going to show my Baron t-shirt yesterday. Shout out to Hannah Burrow. He won like 32 in a row and then lost 27 in a row after that. Uriah Faber said it was USADA's fault. You be the judge on that. Also, my other Brazilian hero, uh, Betch Cohea, took that L 
more than a week ago. Tough to see, Rashad, the 37-year-old. It may be time. Okay, it may be time. She doesn't move the damn head. Get Edmund, uh, get Edmund Tarverdian in there. Get me some head movement, Betch, right? Come on. I know, I know, I know. She, I know. It was, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, shout out to Tim Elliott for getting busted with marijuana. I didn't know we do that anymore. Can't, can't these people just live their lives, Rashad? Uh, no, I thought I thought that we were in the in the age where you know everything was coming out and everyone's accepting these kind of things. You know, isn't it legal in those states? Come on, I mean, come on. I right. mean, uh, there, there, there's normally like what what happens is like you have a certain like when you like you you're not allowed to smoke within probably you know within three days. So if you probably if he has a high tolerance or is smoking a lot, then he probably needed to uh, take longer. And, and we get it out of system a little bit more. Hey, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you want to you wanna light up in the locker room? Do you, right? You want to drop some edibles on the way into the cage? I would. I would, Rashad, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you probably wouldn't fight your best, but yeah. yeah. So here's you, what I'll say. Rashad, I'm no pro athlete. You know this. But, um, you know, back in my day of, of uh, exuberant dabbling in the chemical space, I found that when it came to foosball, or roller hockey, I was inevitably better on the stuff than without it. Is there any science in that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've had similar experiences. I had similar experiences where it just kind of like slows everything down a little bit and just kind of allows you to drop in on a different standpoint, mentally speaking, and allows you to almost hit that, what they call the zone. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I was a goalie in roller hockey. So, you know, these, these, it'd be in the wintertime, there'd be 10 degrees out, there'd be some fat dudes that could hit that ball, which was like a, you know, frozen, uh, like a frozen uh, ice pack there. Uh, they'd hit it hard. And I don't know, man, like you're saying, it slowed down like the Matrix. I could see that thing coming in like at, you know, uh, inching across, and I could just grab it out of thin air after a couple sink hits. Uh, we've all been there, Rashad, okay? We've all been there. Yeah. Listen, when, you, uh, when, you're, when you're fighting and you, like, hit the zone and, you, and you're just, like, normal, like, so there's times where I fought and I'm, like, out there and I'm throwing a punch and I'm throwing a punch at a guy uh, I throw a punch and it looks it, it just goes so slow, and then a guy throws a punch at me, and it's like it, it looks so slow. And as I then I go back and watch it on video, and it's like <laughs> really really fast, but it just goes to show like when you're out there and you're in that moment, it, everything just slows down. Now imagine that on weed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you ever seen it on weed? Yeah, on it, weed. Um, exactly. exactly. Uh, maybe we should stop there. But I'm just saying that uh, there's something to that, man. There, maybe it just removes the subconscious, the anxiety. You know what I mean? It just allows you to enter that flow. Uh, Rashad, this Saturday, we are going to see more MMA UFC from the Apex Center. Will you be there? Will you be on the call? No, I won't be on the call this time. Uh, in a couple weeks, I will, though. Ever replaced you? F them, by the way. Uh, it's Lewis. It's Olenek. It is on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. A heavyweight bout. Let's set the stage here. The Black Beast. Uh, some people are thinking he could catapult himself at 35 back into that title window. When you consider he's won two in a row. Although, let's be honest, questionable decisions over Blagoy Ivanov and Ilira Latifi, in which I don't think Lewis looked great. But he's going in there against a semi-red hot. Alexei Olenek, who's 43, good Lord, but he's choking fools out. Consecutive wins, a submission of Maurice Green, and that split decision over Fabricio Verdum. Uh, what, what do you think about this one, Rashad? It's an interesting matchup because um, 
Olenek is so dominant on the ground. It's like all he really has to do is just get in one grappling uh, tussle against a cage where the Black Beast can't get that big head out the way. And you know the Black Beast has he's got he's got a Gulliver, a huge head, and it, and with that Ezekiel choke that that uh, Olenek does, that head would be hard to get out if he gets trapped. So that's what gets me worried for 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 the Black Beast a bit. But then you have the power that he has in his hands. And as we talked about before, and as you said, you know, Olenek has the worst hands in the heavyweight division. So <laughs> there's no way that, you know, he can stand and strike with the Black Beast. So this is, this is interesting because they're so dominant in their perspective powers in the game. I saw people like that. I respect like Luke Thomas saying, Oh, if Lewis wins, man, let's get him in there again with, with, uh, with our boy and Ganu. No, I'm sorry. Derek Lewis is a, is a, is a fun fighter. He, I, I love to hear him talk crazy. All the training and all the sex I've been getting. Yeah. My body is time. Uh, but you know, I, come on, Francis is going to get the damn winner of the, the August 15th trilogy between Stipe and Dice, as far as I'm concerned, or just give him the belt if both of those guys retire. I don't think there's anything bigger at stake here for him. If he wins here, it's three in a row. Heck, maybe give him Curtis Blades for, for all I know. But uh, I, I'm not trying to say that this catapults him anywhere crazy. Come on. I don't even know if he's going to win this. He's the betting favorite for reasons with that power. But you can see Olenek F around and snake choke him. You can see that, Rashad. No, nah, you definitely can see that. But here's one thing I will say about the Black Beast. Watching him from a talent standpoint, you see that there's flashes of, of next level. Okay, he can do something if. But that if is a big if. Like it's like a, a huge if. And I'll say that because it's one where it's going to require him to dig deep and have a different kind of dedication than we've seen him have, you know? Because he, cause he, he, he gets in these fights where it's always him being afraid to get tired and you see him fighting like he's afraid to get tired. And when you fight like you're afraid to get tired, it's a different kind of fight altogether because you fight very defensively and you fight to, you know, not let something happen and fighting to not let something happen is, is, is a very hard thing to do and you don't fight your best like that. So, if he gets in shape like he can and got a dedication, I think he can because when you watch the Black Beast throw some kicks, I'm just like, all right, dude, you, you, now, now I see you got, you got something. Now you just being a little bit lazy, I think. Absolutely. Uh, interesting co-main event on Saturday night, Rashad. Chris Weidman is back. Yeah, what's up? I'm a real man. Okay, Chris, what's up? You're back. You've lost five of six. Now, uh, again, uh, you know, he's lost to the elites. Chris Weidman has lost to Dom Reyes, Jacare, Musasi, Yoel Romero, and Luke Rockhold. So, you know, we ain't talking about jabrones here. Um, he's going in there against Omari Akhmedov, and Vegas opened with Weidman as a big favorite. That's closed just a bit, but our friends at William Hill are still giving you plus money on the 32-year-old Omari Akhmedov who enters this fight, uh, having won five in a row plus a draw. Interesting here, Rashad. Is Chris Weidman done, or did he just face too many tough guys in a row? Where are we at? I mean, we're going to find out where we're at on Saturday, but tell me, look into your crystal balls. Is it blue? Tell me what you see. Man, it's tough, man. It really is because – 
you never know what, what those losses would do to a fighter of confidence. And just sometimes when you've, when you've been a champion and you've, you've had the, the, the biggest name, your name's in the biggest headlines, and you've had that, that hero moment knocking out Anderson Silva, um, it gets hard to, to, to make that climb again when you just when, when you lose that flow, when you lose that, that thing that made you uh, what you were. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think that if he makes the fight as simple as, as, he, uh, as he can, I think he can have tremendous success. And by that, I mean just you know, mixing in the flow of the fight where, 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 he's, where he's gotten people on, on limbo, where they don't know if he's going to strike or he's going to use his wrestling. But at the end of the day, I don't think he should commit to his wrestling, I think he should just do more like a a a, uh, a mix or a soundboard type thing where he punches for a little bit, punches into the clinch for a takedown. Once the guy tries to fend for the shot, let him go and start striking with him and throw some kicks in there in between. I think that's the kind of fight that he can win against this guy. I agree. Uh, what should we know about Omari Akhmedov if if you're just a fan who says, oh, it's just another Russian guy? Like, wh- wh- what do you see in this man? Well, I mean, he—he's—he's—he's he's, um, he's the Wolverine. He's, That's what he calls himself. Yeah, I mean, he—he's got—he's got that—he's got, that, got that master of sport game where where he's got that you know that that great grappling background, but he's got the ability to strike too, and that's what makes him so dangerous. You know, when you got these these guys from uh from from the from uh over in that part of the world, they're so well rounded even before they get to this level here, because in order to get to this level, they have such a smorgasbord of, of top level master of sports uh, competitors they got to compete against to even get over here. So, you know, now we're getting these guys at a polished level and, you know, he, he's catching the stride, you know, on, on the win streak that he's on right now. So it's going to be a tough one against Chris Weidman. And here's another thing. Whenever you have a guy as, as you know, he's fighting the legend Chris Weidman for him, this is his title shot for him. He's coming here with, with different, energy than chris weidman has yeah indeed indeed uh he's from the dagestani region so you know what that means tough as balls we'll see that that means he got the i smash i got this i smash you (laughs) i I smash your boy i'm gonna smash your boy guys thank you thank you uh also uh yana kunitskaya former title challenger is back on the scene this weekend She's open with her relationship with Maheta, 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 Maheta. I mean, doesn't it just make sense? Maheta, Maheta. stole her ankle, but uh, shout out to Yana just the same. Anything else on this fight card you care about? Benil Dariut, Scott Holtzman, anything? I always like to watch Benil fight, man, but, I mean, that's about it. You know, I'm not really. All right, all right. Shout out to that. Uh, We also have a very good Bellator card. This Friday night, it is going to be on, uh, is this the Zone or Paramount Network? I'm not sure. You're going to find it on Friday, though. Mohegan Sun Arena. It was rescheduled a couple times. Former champions. It's Michael Chandler. It's Benson Henderson. The rematch. Rashad, let me set the stage for you in this regard. Benson Henderson, we know, came to uh, Bellator as a big-name free agent, lost two title fights in two different decisions in his first three appearances, but he's quietly won four in a row. I mean, he ain't done here at 36 years old, and you have a Michael Chandler 
who at 34 is looking to find out how great he can be, not just in the cage, but when it comes to signing that dotted line. This is the final fight in his Bellator contract at the moment. He told us on this pod a couple months ago, you know, he'd love, he would love to go wire to wire here and retire as, you know, one of the faces of Bellator if the money's right. But if it's not, he's ready to talk to UFC 1, PFL, whoever is floating around them green stacks. So you know he's going to want to exit the deal uh, looking as strong as possible. We saw these two square off in 2016, and Chandler won a split decision to defend his lightweight title in a, in a very fun fight in which Benson Henderson came on late. What are you looking at style-wise, technique uh, what, what are we, what are we going to look into see here in this rematch? Um, it's going to be interesting to see because, uh, just listening to the interviews that they've done and that little talk back that they did in the Bellator show, you know, Chandler, uh, th- there's this energy here that this is going to be a, a bit of a, um, uh, just a bit of a war, you know, and from a Chandler standpoint, you know, I think that you're going to see the, the typical, uh, power that he has that explosive power. But I think also a, l- a little bit of the wrestling and just, you know, mixing a fight up and, and just not allowing Ben to get comfortable any kind of where in, in any place, you know. And I think for Benson, he's going to try to do his best to try to halt the forward progress of Michael Chandler, you know, going to those low leg kicks that we've seen Chandler have problems with before, you know, where he got his de- leg just completely deaded out. And when you've seen those fights where Chandler got his leg taken out and that forward progression was stopped, it was just a different fight altogether. So I think that. Benson Henderson's going to air on those that that kind of a game plan, but nonetheless, I think that this fight is going to be a war. It's going to yeah. be a war. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, look, when does Michael Chandler not give you that? Uh, by the way, this is 10 p.m. Eastern Friday night. It's simulcast on Paramount and DAZN. So shout out to this one, uh, Rashad. If Michael Chandler leaves, if he doesn't get what he's looking for, let's say he wins this fight. Uh, you know, I had doubts when Eddie Alvarez jumped to UFC whether he could be a true contender and not just a fun-ass fighter. You know, then he went out there against Cowboy in the debut. You know, he fought good, but he lost. And I'm like, okay, that seems to justify my opinion. Oh, he after around and won the damn thing. I mean, is Michael Chandler a, a legitimate elite title contender if he ever did jump in the octagon before he got too old? 100%. Watching Michael Chandler train – Watching his athletic athletic ability, um, this dude is is something special as an athlete and um, very professional all the way around. Uh, his training regimen, every single thing about this guy is just completely next level. Uh, I, I think he would be a great addition to the UFC because I'll be interested to see um, how how people in his weight class handle that explosive power, you know, that, that he has. And, um, yeah, I, I think the world of Chandler's, Chandler's abilities, man, I became a big fan of him even more just watching him train at the gym. Yeah. I will say, you know, having interviewed him a bunch of times, uh, he's, he's one of the most, you know, you, you can do nothing but respect him. He's a real man, so to speak. So I got a lot of love for the guy. Uh, if he stays with Bellator, by the way, uh, a rematch with Patricio Pitbull would be lightning. So either, he, whichever direction he goes, I'd love to see a third Eddie Alvarez fight if they can somehow make that work under one of the organization's flags. Uh, this is going to be a good-ass fight. You know, It's probably going to lift the winner to a title shot. 
So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, the card around it is Matt Mitrione, Timothy Johnson, your co-main event, uh, Curtis Melender, and Miles Jury, former UFC guy, is also going to fill out this card as well. Uh, Miles Jury taking on Georgie Carcanian. So that's and also uh, Melender against Saba Homasi. So this is a good, good little little piece of business here. And let's not forget on the prelim card, Rashad, your boy Adam Boric bouncing back against Derek Campos. So this is some this is a good ass card. What am I talking about? Valerie Laredo's back on it. Yeah, we got we yeah, have in. This is this is a big card, man. And just speaking to some of the Bellator fighters, you know, they've been chomping at the bit to, to get their chance to go. So they've been watching the UFC guys go. So they're like, we want our shot, man. And um, these guys are greased up and ready to get after it. Yeah, let's find out what we got here. This should be fun this weekend. I wanted to uh, hit this on the way out. I don't know if, if we've talked about it, but uh, it seems that Dana White is back on board with Habib Nurmagomedov's potential exit plan. You saw it over the past week in the headlines that Habib's going to get Justin Gaethje later this year. And, you know, they talked a little bit of trash over social media in just the past 48 hours. But he wants one more next spring. We know he wants JS Pay. And now it feels like Dana is actually on board with that. Water is wet, fire burn, and I'm going to beat Michael Bisping. Well, three things are certain right there. I never thought we'd get here, Rashad. It seems like Dana is in on this. Um, I'll say it again. I always thought Connor would be the first to get a chance at being a three-division champion. But I think GSP, if he can cut to 155, if he wants to cut to 155 this late in his career and his age, uh, that would be such like – like. Like Stipe Dice three, that's a historic fight. Like we just, you know, whoever wins or loses that, it's gonna affect history. If GSP gets in there against Habib for the damn lightweight title, that's like one of the biggest history fights you could conjure. I didn't think Dana would come back around, but he said, you know, Habib, I, I just have nothing but respect for the way he handles himself. I was fired up to hear that. Yeah, I was too, man. That would be absolutely amazing. I'm, I think that, um, you know, w with the way that. Uh, you know, Habib has handled himself his whole career. To let him go out the way that he wanted wants to go out is uh, it, it shows a lot how much the UFC has respected what he's done for the sport. And not for nothing, I mean, you know, have a fight like GSP, it, it, it would be amazing. Uh, but it also shows me that Dana may have emotionally sailed with the whole Conor McGregor having for that super fight. And it may and it may and it may have to do with the fact that, you know, he, he doesn't know where he stands, where if Connor's really gonna, you know, be uh somebody he can book on it, you know, and not and not have to deal with all the extra stuff, you know. So God, is that like could that be part of that thing we talked about earlier in the show about the public back and forth there between Dana and Connor and the negotiation and the, the dick swinging, if you will. Um does this GSP story play into that? Is GSP just not – I'm sorry, is Habib just not interested anymore in a Conor rematch? Yeah, that, that may be very that, – that, that very well may be the case. And it also may be the case – I don't really know what um, Habib's father's opinion was on him fighting uh, Conor again. But if Habib's father um, didn't – you know, was like, no, don't ever give him another fight again because of the disrespect he did for the family and the culture – then, the, then that maybe then that may be it. You know, there may be just no way that they will ever happen again. Could you so, imagine? I don't, I don't mean to disrespect the family, but could you imagine like if that was like a deathbed thing? Like, son, I love you. Don't ever fight that asshole again. Like that. You know, he's going to stick to that. He's going right, to. Right, and that's and that and that very well could be the case. You know, and 
You know, but, but just listening to um, the, the guy we talked about, Kamzat, you know, there was a tweet that he did earlier where he was talking about, uh, and when uh, Connor actually put that tweet out when he said he will accept, that was actually to Kamzat because Kamzat called him out. But um, Kamzat said that he, true story, he said, true story, I flew to Ireland to smash Connor before the Habib fight, but they didn't let me in the country. That's what he said. So, I mean, it, it just goes to show how much that comment just infuriated, infuriated his whole nation. All right, Rashad, like, like, look, if let's say Habib uh, fought GSP and then walked away early next year. Let's say that we're never going to see Connor Habib too. Now, certainly Connor could would be a great option for the UFC to put in there against whoever eventually becomes that champion, whether it's Gaethje, Ferguson, whoever. But, you know, even that aside, this could severely alter the Connor's plans to close out his career. Like he may end up going the boxing route and just taking giant paydays from here on out. And, you know, like what, like Habib seemed to be a giant motivation for him to get back in there and try to run back that L. And if that's gone now, I don't, I don't really know where Connor's, you know, deep ridden motivation is going to come from again. I don't think he really cares about fighting Nate a third time. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it, it just seems like he just needs to have that challenge or just needs to uh, right that wrong in his heart. And um, this, that, that may be the fight that he may never get to just, that just burns him and just always aches at his heart. But when it comes to money-making fights, there's a lot of potential money-making fights for him. I mean, you know, you, you have uh, the Masvidal fight, I think, would be something that can get his, uh, can get his juices going again and get him um, to feel in himself and be the old Connor that we know. So it's not all the loss if he doesn't get the Habib fight, but I think it does um, solidify a certain, I guess, avenue where his, uh, his, his star could have risen to. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, it just, I wonder who we're not thinking of because when, once Connor enters into the, like, we still think of him as a quasi super elite right now, right? Like if he comes back right. and be a contender, he's probably back in your top 10 pound for pound. You're still giving him the respect of four years ago, but he's close enough in age to that. But you know, once he's 35, 36, he's going to be completely in celebrity super fight mode. So I wonder if we're not thinking of somebody from the lower weight classes that could eventually rise in weight that could meet him for like a incredible, like, uh, you know, I'm thinking like a, like a Cejudo, maybe in the end, Cejudo is always going to be too small, but what if Cejudo put on some, some weight and was just like, F it, I'm going to go fight 37 year old Connor. Like something like that could be interesting. Is there anyone that like, you know, Bantam feather? I know Cody Garber is talking about going down, in weight, not going up, but I mean, could you see a- any type of super fight down the road that we're not thinking of right now? Man, I, um, n- maybe against uh, Zabit, no, because Zabit doesn't talk good enough. Yeah, that's true. I wonder. See, Cody was my guy because of that ultimate yeah. fire the two had when he jumped in his face. Uh, you never know. You never know where it's going to go. I look. I'd still like to see him against Max again. I still like to see him against. I like to see Connor against everyone. All right. I just don't know where his motivation is at. Rashad Evans, thank you for having the motivation to wake up early to get this done. The business was done. We did a great job. Follow us at State of Combat at Sugar Rashad Evans on all of your social media channels. Uh, do you have an uplifting message for the people as we exit? Yes. Uh... For you, actually, because I didn't get a chance to say happy birthday 
to Thank you very much, sir. 42 never felt older. Hey, Rashad, I may be out of shape and have a poor diet, but uh, I'm making a little cash these days. My wife bought me a Peloton for my birthday. It comes in a month. I guess it takes a month to get here, but that, that could that could change the game, right? Oh, yeah, that can get you definitely uh, a couple fights. That can get you back in fight shape. Yeah, DC. I may take on Brandon Wise, all right? Wait, wait for it all said <laughs> done, okay? Bring that pain. He lives in my state. Send me the location after all. Anyway, that's the show for this week. Shout out to super producer Mikey Mormal for having our back. For Sugar Rashad Evans, it's your boy BC saying, we out. Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.